Violent crime is the subject of our Talking Points memo this evening. So this all accelerated. We've always had violent crime in America ever since uh, the pilgrims were here. Um, But it really accelerated on um, May 25th, 2020. Okay, that's when George Floyd was killed by the police in Minneapolis in front of the whole nation. Since that time, violence has skyrocketed, and there are a number of reasons why. The first reason was that the riots that followed all throughout the United States sent a signal to criminals that they can get away with it because they saw people blowing up police stations, assaulting police, looting, and nothing happened to those people. So the visual images that people saw on television sent that signal, you can commit a crime, nothing's going to happen to you. The combination of that with the very permissive, progressive left law enforcement people, usually district attorneys, who wouldn't prosecute, didn't want to prosecute, what they call low-level or nonviolent crimes, the combination made it a open zone for criminals, particularly in the big cities, to do what they want. You add to that the um, drug culture. This is particularly true in Chicago, New York, and L.A., where the violent criminals who control the street narcotics industry are all armed. They have to be, because if they're not, other criminals will take their money and their drugs. So they're all armed. It's narcotics-driven. People don't understand that. Yes, there are burglars and there are muggers who have guns, but not nearly to the level of the drug traffickers. They are all armed. And in many jurisdictions, the DAs don't want to prosecute those drug dealers. They think it's a nonviolent offense and it shouldn't be going to court and people shouldn't be going to prison. Now, underlying all of this, and what I've told you is indisputable. If somebody denies anything that I've told you up to this point, they are not being truthful. Underlying all of this is the progressive belief that America is a bad country, that its justice system is racist, and that the police want to hurt minorities. All three of those things. Bad country, justice does, um, the justice situation racist, and the cops actively go and look to hurt minorities. That is what the progressive movement believes. Okay. So they, of course, fight against that. That's the defund police, all of that. Now, the Black Lives Matter outfit understands what I just told you about the progressive movement. So they immediately, after George Floyd was killed, mobilized to attack the criminal justice system in America, and they were successful in doing so. Because the media sided with the Black Lives Matter movement. That intimidated anyone who would oppose it because they were immediately branded racist. And the media would back that up. So if you 
opposed Black Lives Matter, you were a racist because of George Floyd. Now, subsequently, uh, because of reporting by me and others, we know now, but we didn't know then, that the Black Lives Matter movement is a Marxist movement that wants an overthrow of the American government. That's what they want. That's what they're in business to do. Still, the media won't report that. Still, to this day. You'll never get that on the networks, ever. Corporate media is not going to tell you that. But it's just absolutely true. So, in cities like New York, where I live, all right, which was once a safe place, 8 million people, but it was relatively safe, is now dangerous. So, under Rudy Giuliani and Michael Bloomberg, all right, for decades, the city was safe because it was aggressive against crime. The police arrested the criminals and they went to prison. No longer. Now we have a guy named Alvin Bragg, who's the DA, the new DA. And he says, dope dealing, I'm not, I'm not prosecuting it at the lower level. Even if you have a gun and you go into a deli or any store, you point the gun at the person, take the person's money, I'm not going to charge you with a felony. I'm going to charge you with a misdemeanor. Now, Bragg is not long, and I'll explain that a little bit more later. He's not going to get away with this, because now we have police officers being shot in New York City, horrible situations. The tide is turning against him, but not so much in other places. San Francisco, the DA there is on a recall basis. That vote will be in June. Chesa Bodie. Los Angeles, George Gasson won't simply won't enforce the law. He may be recalled. Larry Craster in Philadelphia re-elected. Craster's not going to enforce the law. Okay? Kimberly Fox in Chicago, you all know her. Okay? Obviously not going to enforce it. I mean, this woman is so out there that she said, I'm not going to really track down the people involved in this drug shootout because both sides had guns. That's what she said. It was a fair fight. Never mind the babies and the children that might be caught in a crossfire. Okay? Detroit, Dana Nessel. Um, Boston, Rachel Rollins. Rachel Rollins in Boston. I'm not going to, you know, if you sell heroin on the street, that's okay. That's okay. Fentanyl, go right ahead. Not going to prosecute. Wesley Bell in St. Louis. Jose Garza in Austin, Texas, Stephanie Morales in Portsmouth, Virginia, and I could go on and on and on and on and on. So no matter how good the police are, if you're not going to get prosecuted, criminals are going to commit crimes. That's what they do. All right. Now, here's the real kicker on all of this. So the FBI does not have 2021 stats out yet. They'll come in the next month or so. But in 2020, in the middle of COVID, okay, there was a record amount of murders, up 30%, 2020 over 19, okay? And people getting shot all over the place. Who were those people? 53% African-American murdered. 53%. They are 13% of the population. 42% white, that includes Hispanics. 
Now, why are so many more African-Americans being murdered? Because they are in the neighborhoods that are awash with narcotics. See, my neighborhood isn't. Those people couldn't operate here where I live. But in the poorer neighborhoods, they're all over the place. And that's why African-Americans are being murdered. So you would think the progressive movement, Black Lives Matter, that say they want equity for African-Americans, they want privilege for minorities, would then crack down on so many minorities being murdered, right? No, no. Now, a guy like Alvin Bragg, the DA in Manhattan, and he took over from a terrible DA, Cy Vance, awful, but Bragg is worse. In his mind, the entire criminal justice system is racist. And therefore, he's trying to break it all down by himself, going against the legislature of the state, which makes the laws. So he he said, I don't care what the law is. I'll prosecute what I want. He could be removed by the governor, but she'll never do it because she's a progressive. Okay, so summing up, we have a terrible violent crime problem in America. Terrible. And the power structure now is going to keep that going. The only solution is for voters to get rid of these progressive people. Will they? I don't have any confidence they will. As I said, Larry Krasner, who is a loon, re-elected as district attorney in Philadelphia. And Philadelphia's got violent crime through the roof. It's dangerous to walk in the city of brotherly love after dark. Dangerous to walk in Manhattan, Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens, not so much Staten Island, but the other four after dark. San Francisco's ruined. L.A., your life isn't worth anything in certain neighborhoods. That's where we are, and that is a Talking Points memo. Lowell Sidney joining us from Miami, Florida. He worked at the Kings County DA's office for four years here in New York. Um, He's now a defense attorney in the city and on Long Island. Am I making any mistakes here, Counselor? No, you got it right. Uh, thanks for having me on, Bill. Okay. Well, I'm glad you said that. I, I thought about that Talking Points memo in a very precise way. I don't think anything I said is untrue. I don't think it can be refuted in any way. So now we have thousands of people across the country being murdered, most of them African-American. Why do you think we don't hear from the Congressional Black Caucus or the Al Sharpton group. Why don't we hear from them? Uh, I think a big part of the problem is that it doesn't suit the narrative. Uh, We have to just keep on going more and more progressive. And no matter what the results or data shows, we have to just, if it fails, it's because we didn't go too far left, sorry, far left enough. Um, Someone like Alvin Bragg, my understanding is he's on the board of legal aid, which is a fine institution, but I like a district attorney to be law and order oriented, not uh, worried so much about 
the rights of a convicted felon. You know, I have more compassion for the victims of a violent felon than, than for the actual convicted uh, defendant. You know, as you know better than anyone, there are evil people on this planet. And it's not society's fault. It's just evil embedded in them. And they will hurt you and kill you. When you have a law enforcement structure that looks away from that, that denies that, okay, that says, no, that's not the problem. The country itself is the problem. You have anarchy. Now, in your experience in Brooklyn, it is absolutely unfair to the good people who live in uh, Brownsville and the poor neighborhoods in Brooklyn when these drug gangs run those neighborhoods and there is very little being done to help those poor people. Or am I wrong? You're, you're not wrong in, in your uh, before when you were mentioning how it's not affecting, uh, let's just say, the Upper East Side of Manhattan. It's only affecting uh, poor neighborhoods with a lot of minorities. And these are, are, are policies that are just only affecting them. And, and again, it's, it's not safe for them to, to walk around their own streets. And the people that they elected who, who they thought are uh, on their side are really just uh, a cancer to, to society at large. But that situation is replayed on the south side of Chicago, in the east end of L.A., you name it, it's replayed. You don't see mass demonstrations against the drug gangs. You don't see demonstrations against the lenient district attorneys. The people do not mobilize in a public way against them. Why? The media isn't uh, televising it. Uh, it I don't think it's happening, though, Castle. I don't think it's happening. I'd know if it was happening. I don't think it's happening. Well, right. It's not, you know, I just think the people only know what they, they see on TV. The, most people get their news from legacy media. And you really have to dig deep in any newspaper to find about it. Um, yeah, but, but you're talking about people who are living it. Right. So where, where are the people rising up in the neighborhoods that are unbelievably dangerous? They don't rise up. Are they afraid to do that? Where are the preachers? Where are the clerics in those neighborhoods? Where? I don't know where. I never see any demonstrations against this horror. I agree, and, and I think that's part of the problem. Uh, I think that, you know, that there is no way to rise. And, and you know, talking about a DA like Alvin Bragg, uh, you, know, you know, we hear a lot about it from the left about voter suppression, but as you know, Bill, uh, New York City is a great example of voter suppression. It's a one-party rule, so the primary determines who's going to win. And for something like district attorney, there's really not enough of a groundswell so whoever gets the political machinery and unions on their side is virtually nominated. But I think, the, I think it's fear. From what I understand, if you go out in a poor neighborhood that's run by drug gangs and you start to scream, we want the police to clean up the drug gangs, the drug gang's going to hurt you and your family. And that's why nobody does it. Last word. Uh, no, I think you've hit it on, on the nail. Um, I think the problem is the, the leaders I think are supposed to lead and we're hearing from uh you know everyone from the vice president when she was trying to bail out uh riders during last summer or the summer before 2020 
that it becomes acceptable for them. Yeah, uh, I, I, it's just, it's horrible. And I don't know, I don't know if it's ever going to stop now. Um, some cities will, and New York may, after the police were shot over the weekend, maybe it'll come back, but we'll see. Counselor, thanks very much for taking the time. I really appreciate the conversation. Thank you again. Dark money. You know what dark money is? Billions of dollars are pouring into this country to fix elections and do other dastardly things. Here is the definition of dark money. Cash from people or organizations whose names are not known or revealed that may be connected to illegal or harmful activities. That's dark money. And it's, we're awash in it. Now, you know about Mark Zuckerberg, the Facebook guy, pouring $450 million or whatever it is into the last presidential election. That money went into counties to gin up the Democratic vote. What Zuckerberg did was not dark money. It was perfectly legal what he did. In my opinion, it was not ethical, hiring people to go into nursing homes and everything out to tell people how to vote. I don't think that's ethical. I think it should be illegal, but it's not. Can't do it in a polling place, but mail-in votes all day long. So that's not dark money. But other people see Zuckerberg. He told everybody about his donations, where they went. They went to two organizations that set up all this big con. So he stayed within the confines of the law. Others don't. They chip the money in, but you don't know who's it going to or where it's going. I know this because I've dealt with it in my own life. I've dealt with this. in a, Big money attacked me, dark money. Someday I'll tell you about it. Joining us now from Washington, Scott Walter. He is the president of the Capital Research Center, who is investigating election corruption or dubious things, a whole bunch of stuff. All right. Did I define this properly, Mr. Walter? Well, you know, this is a tricky part. There are different people will use different precise definitions. But I think the gist of what you had is fair. That is to say, money is affecting politics and people don't know where the money came from. That's a good shirt cuff definition of dark money. But the left invented that thing to say, oh, these right wingers, these Republicans, they're using dark money. And sadly, the mainstream media, of course, never bothered to look and say, well, what about folks on the left? Are they doing the same kind of thing? And of course they are, and to a much larger degree. Give me some specific stuff that you found out. There are multiple empires of dark money. People have probably heard of the democracy, or sorry, have heard of the Tides Foundation. Uh, which was has been around for decades pulling this kind of scam. One that most people have not heard of but need to because it's gigantic is something called Arabella Advisors. That's a for-profit company that runs all kinds of non-profit entities that slip money in for voter registration, get out the vote, uh, fighting over abortion, gun control, immigration, etc. Who funds Arabella? We reported on that based on a Washington Examiner report that cited you. Um, who funds Arabella? I think they have $770 million right now. 
Well, I was going to say you you gave the 2019 numbers, which was $731 million in revenues on the nonprofit side. We don't know what the for profit gets, but that was the 2019. We have just been able to obtain the 2020 numbers. It's not 700 million now for 2020. It was one point seven billion. And that money comes from Democracy Alliance members and giant foundations like Gates and Ford and MacArthur. And uh, it, it's an astonishing machine. Um, and hardly anyone has heard of this, even in Washington, D.C., much less uh, in real America. Now, we assume George Soros is involved with this because he's involved with a whole bunch of uh, these kinds of things. Um, and he was a member of the Tides Foundation, as you know. Um, but now, I mean, $1.7 billion, that's a hell of a lot of money. What does, yeah, Arabella, what does Arabella want to accomplish? What are they going to do with that money? Well, they literally operate hundreds of groups. Uh, but the short answer is achieve the left's agenda. You know, the vast majority of that money is not going to what normal Americans think of as charity, even though legally these are charities being involved. It is precisely to fight on particular issues or to fight in particular battleground states over all the parts of the left's agenda, whether it's court packing, environmentalism, etc. Okay. So they're just basically another wing of the progressive movement. They're the financial wing um, to try to get the new Voting Rights Act passed, to try to get very liberal laws on abortion, to try to have the Supreme Court be 25 people, uh, D.C. to be a state, so two more Democratic senators, Puerto Rico, same thing. And when they have that much money, where specifically does the money go? Are they bribing people? Are they, <laughs> what are they doing with it? They're pretending. And again, the ordinary American doesn't know any better. And the mainstream media is too lazy to look into this, even though we've put it all on the Internet. It's easy to find. So they want it to look like um, everybody in America is demanding the ending of voter ID. So, like, you know, just this past week, huge letter, 60 some groups demanding that the filibuster be struck down so voting laws can be changed. Well, it was the letterhead, the letter was put on was Fix Our Senate, which is a fake group that Arabella runs. It's just a website that Arabella runs. And one of the signers was another group that Arabella just has a letterhead for and a website for. And then 17 more groups got millions of dollars out of Arabella's coffers. They also signed the letter. But the New York Times acts like, oh, well, Americans everywhere are demanding this. Yes. OK, so it's subterfuge. It's corruption. I assume this Arabella group is soft on crime and they're helping the very progressive district attorneys not prosecute violent crime, which, of course, has resulted in a huge uh, uh, upsurge of violence, which has taken the lives of thousands of people. Uh, I assume Arabella is involved with that as well. You know, off the top of my head, I can't, there may or may not be an Arabella group doing precisely that, but the Arabella's donors, like Soros and Zuckerberg and whatnot, are doing that. But by the way, Soros is most famous for it, but Zuckerberg has started funding that too. And how does he do that? Well, typically they will give money to a PAC and the PAC will send the money into the local race at the last second. So nobody knows in a relatively tiny, inexpensive race 
oh my gosh, a million and a half just came into my opponent last week and the election's in two weeks. And they can buy TV time and advertising and all that stuff with the money. All right. So I, I think this is corruption because the people of the United States have no idea it's happening. As you pointed out, the media is too corrupt itself. It's not that they're lazy. You use the word lazy. <laughs> they don't want to investigate this. They, they want this dark money as long as it's on the progressive liberal Democrat side. They don't want an exposition of this at all. Would you say that's an accurate belief on my part? Oh, absolutely. You know, there's there are conservatives who work to get justices uh, approved on the Supreme Court who believe the Constitution should be respected. And the Washington Post ran thousands of words uh, about the, the folks who do that. And the very day that ran, I wrote the reporter. I know the Pope reporter. I said, look, that's very interesting. Now, are you going to tell the other side with Arabella advisors? And here's all our research on that. I got a, uh, yeah, maybe someday. And couple years. I'm still waiting on that one. Yeah. Okay. So the corruption of the media is a large part of the corruption in, in the United States. So tell folks how they can get in touch with you, where your data is, so they can go and see for themselves. Influencewatch.org is a gigantic encyclopedia of this. Influencewatch.org. Okay. And there are no corresponding groups on the right doing this kind of dark money thing as far as you know? Well, actually, it, it's funny. There were some folks on the right who read our report on Arabella and said, that's ingenious. We should rearrange ourselves to take advantage of those same uh, legal possibilities. So little by little, it's being imitated. But the scope of money is hugely tilted to the left. OK, Mr. Walter, thanks very much for helping us out. We appreciate it. Everything is expensive these days. You know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings, against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. So over the weekend, I do a lot of reading, and uh, I've been reading a book called American Muck Raker, all right? Re Rethinking Journalism for the 21st Century. Why am I reading this? Because I'm a journalist. It's written by James O'Keefe. You know him. He's the founder of Project Veritas. Very controversial man. And he joins us now from White Plains, New York. So congrats on the book. Uh, you're moving some product. And uh, I got a bunch of questions for you. We asked you to list in your Project Veritas experience the three most important stories that you broke in your opinion. Number one would be? 
Well, I think the, one of the most important stories was the one we did in September 1st of this past year involving a communist teacher who he exposed. A whistleblower came to us with a picture of an Antifa flag inside the school, Gabriel Guype. And then we covertly recorded this teacher at a coffee shop in Sacramento, and he said he wanted to F with your kids and train them how to be radicals. This fomented, this created hundreds of outraged parents attending the school board meeting um, and kind of kicked off a series of events in education around the United States. But Bill, the most amazing part about the story was it was not left versus right, Democrats, Republicans. It was just angry mothers of all races, ethnicities, and political backgrounds upset about what was happening to their children. It was forging consensus, which I think is what journalism is supposed to do, which is forge consensus. I write about that theme in this book, American Muckraker. Yeah, and that's what happened in Virginia and overturned the whole political structure there. The second uh, story that you mentioned was about Trump rallies. Explain that to us. Well, that was a story I think you covered as well in 2016 uh, when uh, on Fox, but it was involving a... Uh, uh, a series of hidden camera videos we did on Bob Creamer and Democracy Partners. And in these recordings, Scott Fovel, uh, someone working for Americans United for Change, a progressive nonprofit group in Wisconsin, was recorded saying that he was trying to foment violence at Trump rallies and blame it on Trump. Bob Creamer, a close friend of Barack Obama, was recorded. This was in 2016, uh, saying we want to hide this from people. Don't tell anybody that we're doing this. Bird docking at rallies, sort of touching people on the shoulder, and then Trump supporters would swap them away and they'd fall to the ground. This was a big story at the time. Bob Creamer was fired from Democracy Partners. Scott Fogel was fired. I, they ended up suing me for, get this, breach of fiduciary duty. That's going to trial in federal court. Project Veritas has never lost a lawsuit. But Bill, those videos were huge, and uh, a lot of things probably contributed to Trump winning, but these videos certainly caused massive yeah, and I mean, it's it's important to remind people about this subterfuge and how people don't know that this stuff happens. Now, the third one you mentioned was Acorn, and we all remember that. Um, and that <clears throat> subsequently, that group went out of business. It's now resurrected under another name. But the one I wanted to ask you about was the abortion body parts thing. I thought that was an excellent, excellent undercover investigation that you did. But of course, you were vilified for it. Has the body parts of aborted fetuses, has that changed at all? Well, that was actually, I, I've done work on Planned Parenthood. That particular expose was done by David Delyden, who's a friend and colleague of mine. But Veritas did not actually do that. But oh, nevertheless, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, but go ahead. Go ahead with that explanation. I mean, I think I think that uh, it's going through the courts right now with Delyden. So they, the, California has a statute, 632 of the California Penal Code. They come after both Lila Rose, myself, and David Leiden for recording people without their permission in the state of California, which is a two-party consent state to tape. So they're trying to go after David for committing felonies, for recording what the Planned Parenthood people say. And Bill, I write about in this book, um, oftentimes these two-party consent statutes indemnify the guilty. We believe it's a constitutional right to record anybody as long as they know that they're with the person they're talking to and clearly they didn't go after you know people who expose animal cruelty uh it's so it's not about the methods it's always it's about the findings and they were very angry at david for, for oh, you sure. know for that body know. part thing is horrible and um maybe we'll have him on and, and i apologize for giving you credit for what he did now you have a lawsuit against twitter all right project veritas and you have sued twitter because they 
kind of vanished you, right? Tell me about that. Yeah, well, we had quoted a, this was really my moment of awakening because we did a story on Charlie Chester, who is the control room director at CNN. And we caught him on tape. Again, he did not know that he was being recorded. This is the guy that runs the control room at CNN. In April of this year, he was saying, we want to, we were a propaganda network. This is his words, not mine. He said, you know, we want to get Trump out. And we got Trump out. He also talks about the death numbers they put on the screen at CNN. He says, we want to make those numbers higher. We want more people to die. So our death numbers can be higher because to quote Charlie Chester, fear sells. So I do this story. Of course, it's a, probably number four, Bill, on the list of most important stories we've ever done in the history of Project Veritas. And Twitter bans me for doing this story. Now, why? Is well, they Twitter say, my yeah, let, let, let me put forth their point of view to be fair. OK, so Twitter says that Project Veritas, you uh, are permanently suspended because you were running fake accounts. Not only did you have Project Veritas account, but you had other accounts that were putting stuff out there, but they they were under names that weren't valid. That's their point of view, right? That's the crux of the of the banishment for you. Am I correct? And- uh, that is correct that they said that, but it's an incorrect statement that they made, and I sued them for defamation. Right. And of course, it's absurd. Um, I've never created a fake account, and I've and I've written an affidavit in court to that fact. And that's going through the courts. It's going through the litigation process. And just another word about this process is that we've sued the New York Times for defamation. We've sued Twitter. We've sued the New York Times. And in the New York Times case, Bill, we got past motion to dismiss, which is a huge, as you know, hurdle to get past in a libel lawsuit, the New York, the judge in New York State arguing, yes, indeed, the New York Times did act with deception. Well, and you and Sarah Palin have something in common because her lawsuit was a part, supposed to start today. I'll get to that in a moment. Um, finally, um, Ashley Biden's diary, all right, Joe Biden's daughter, was, she says, stolen. Now, somehow your name got attached to all this. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, a source came to us with actually Biden's diary, a document from uh, October of 2021, right before the last election. I'm sorry, 2020. And then uh, we looked into it. Uh, we tried to corroborate it, tried to authenticate it. I, I thought I failed to do that at the time. Turns out, I guess it was real. I was almost certain, but not 100%. I also couldn't corroborate what she wrote in this diary. She had said some things about about her father, Joe Biden, said she took inappropriate showers with him. I didn't know what that means. I didn't feel comfortable publishing the story, so I didn't run it. A year later, the FBI shows up at my apartment and raids my home. They have a search warrant listing crimes such as accessory after the fact, which Bill is an absurd insinuation for an American journalist to be accused of accessory after the fact for a source transmitting me a document The Supreme Court of the United States has made it clear that a journalist can publish a document which is stolen so long as the journalist did not participate in the theft of that document. So this is a huge violation of my rights. But you didn't even publish it. You didn't even publish it. They're just looking for it. And the FBI, we ought to make clear, um, didn't charge you with anything. You haven't been charged in this case, correct? No. No, I haven't been charged. I just wanted to know what the deuce it was because, I I mean, I'm looking at this thing going, what is that? Um, I want to... The violation of my rights. Okay. Um, you, you are a busy guy. You got a lot of stuff going on. When is the Twitter lawsuit and the New York Times lawsuits, when are they going to hit the court, do you think? 
Well, the New York Times lawsuit, we we have two victories. We got past motion to dismiss. And then after the FBI raids bill, the New York Times published my private attorney-client privilege documents, which is litigation misconduct. And the judge in New York asking them to sequester those memos, which is the first time anybody has defeated the New York Times in court like that in 50 years. Yeah, They're an independent thing is looking at them, right. But, but the actual court case, when do you think that's going to come up? We're going to be going into discovery, hopefully soon. That's that's the deposition right. phase of and the lawsuit. Twitter? When is the Twitter thing? We're looking, well, the judge the judge in New York ruled that they can be uh, recently that the New York State is not the correct jurisdiction, so we're choosing the right jurisdiction. Right. So the that's litigation a couple process. Of years away. Time. All right, and we just want to be fair. If Twitter wants to put a spokesperson out of the Times or anybody else, you're welcome to come on the broadcast. All right, the book again um, is American Muckraker. You can donate to Project Veritas because obviously Mr. O'Keefe has a lot of legal bills and he's, uh, you know, out there by himself. He's doing it on his own. So I, uh, I applaud that. I mean, I'm not going to take a side in the litigation. We'll see how it shakes down. Hey, James, good luck with the book. We hope you sold uh, a few copies from this appearance and we'll talk soon, I hope. Thank you. All proceeds go to Project Veritas, AmericanMuckraker.com. Thank you. Okay. What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... <coughs> I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. All right, Department of Justice continues to pound the drum that there's far right wing terrorism in this country. And 101 million, not 100 million, 101 million, been allocated to combat far right terrorism. And the guy in charge of that is uh, Garland, uh, the Attorney General of the United States. There's all America. We love him, right? So, okay, I, I'm a simple man. Just, Mr. Attorney General, tell us what groups you're talking about, where they are, and what they're doing. That's all. If you're going to spend $100 million taxpayer dollars to try to find them or neutralize them or do whatever you want to do with them, let us know who they are. We know Antifa. We know Black Lives Matter. Is this the Proud Boys? Is this, what is this? Don't you think they should come out in the Justice Department instead of every two minutes, all right, when terrorism's coming, okay, who, where? Back it up. What have they done? What are they doing? Generally, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to know. Ten Oath Keepers, that's a group, pled not guilty to sedition charges Related to January 6th, the Capitol riot. So they 
pled not guilty, including the leader, Stuart Rhodes. I didn't even know who that guy was. Okay? Now, I'm looking at the uh, complaint from the Justice Department against the Oath Keepers, 10 of them. And the Justice Department says that they were trying to overthrow the government of the United States. Okay. I, I, I'm going to follow this trial, but I don't think these people are going to be convicted of sedition. I mean, you're going to have to show beyond any reasonable doubt that they were involved in a conspiracy. I think the Justice Department has somebody on the inside. I do believe they have an informer in the group. And that'll be their strong card. Tough to convict anybody on that, but we're keeping an open mind. We don't want anybody trying to overthrow the uh, government of the United States. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. So let's go to the final thought of the day. So if you watch the football playoff games this weekend, you know there's no way on earth anybody could pick those games. You can't. I can't. And I know what I'm talking about in the football world. No one can. The betters, the bookies, the Vegas odds makers, they know how to post the odds because they now do analytics. They analyze stuff that you would never even think of. So the spreads are pretty much could go either way. And the house never loses. Add to that that you've got all these big-time movie stars telling you to bet. Every commercial, bet, 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 bet. Well, a lot of people are betting, and they're losing money because you can't win. Read my lips here. Thank you, President Bush the Elder. You can't win betting on football. I mean, just the Green Bay-San Francisco game, Green Bay should have wiped them out by 30 points. But the, the offensive line lets the guys in to block the kicks. And, and, and I mean, you sit there and go, what is going on? The bookies knew the special teams were no good. Did you know? I didn't know. And, and I mean, the games yesterday was Kansas City 13 seconds. And they move the ball down, get a field goal. 13 seconds. So don't bet on football. 
maybe with your friend, 10, 20 bucks just to keep it interesting. I do that. Okay? But don't put big money on this sports betting. You're going to get hammered. You are going to lose. And they don't care. Final thought of the day. Thank you for watching us tonight. Hope you like the Talking Points memo. Every night we're going to do it, and we'll see you tomorrow.